Hello, everybody, and happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of Great Quarter Gals. I'm Kelly Nix here, flying a little bit solo today. That's fine. Grace is out, enjoying some time off. So while we miss Grace Sharkey deeply, we're going to get through today's show anyways. And I'm so glad that you guys are joining us today for another great episode of Great Quarter Gals. Got some really exciting things happening here at Freight Waves, and today's episode is going to be great as well. Before we get into the content for today, let's take a look at some exciting things coming up for us here at Freight Waves. If you guys are familiar with us, we've got a long list of events that we put on here at Freight Waves, some in person, some virtual. We just came off of our most recent in-person event. That was the Future of Supply Chain event that was in Rogers, Arkansas. And we're looking ahead to some virtual events as well. August 17th, we've got the Freight Tech Meets FinTech event coming up virtually here. And that's going to be very, very exciting talking about kind of the way that things work in the freight tech versus fintech world. And then we also have coming up after that, the Autonomous and Electric Vehicle Summit, also known as the Alan Adler Show. Um, And that one's going to come up on September 7th as well. So go ahead and head to live.freightwaves.com and go get registered for those virtual events. All of those events are going to be free, no cost to you. And then while you're there at live.freightwaves.com, you know what? F3 is coming up soon as well. So go ahead and get registered for that one too. Currently running a ticket special for those F3 tickets too. We've got a $700 in savings running for those F3 tickets. And those will be on sale until July 15th. So that's the end of this week. So go ahead and get those in. If you guys are familiar with Chattanooga at all, it's kind of a tiny town, right? We don't have a ton of hotel space. We don't have a ton of space for people to come in and to stay with us anyways. So make sure that you are getting those tickets in, booking your hotel room now, and just getting here while you've got a chance. So that's what exciting stuff coming up here at Freight Waves. Let's get into what we're talking about today. So Steph Stagger is joining us. She is the Chief Commercial Officer at 3GTMS. But before we get to Steph, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of labor in the transportation industry. IRI Consultants has just released their first annual Labor Activity and Transportation Report. Some really exciting findings coming out of that report as well, specifically on gender and gender gaps in the industry, which is something that we talk about here all the time on Great Quarter Gals, of course. So on gender gaps, The IRI Consultant Report partnered with Women in Trucking. They found that the gender gap in the industry is falling. So there's a narrowing gap between males employed versus females employed in the industry. But it's not falling at a significant rate, even though we are seeing more women entering the industry. When that happens, we're seeing them enter in those entry-level jobs, though. That's the key part, is that entry-level jobs in warehousing, truck transportation are picking up with females. But that stops when it comes to senior level management and C-suite roles, which is interesting to see. And currently, the Women in Trucking Association is gathering information and gathering survey participants for their 2022 study on women in the industry. And if you guys want to go ahead and participate in that, you can head to uh, womenintrucking.org forward slash index, and that's going to get you to participate in their 2022 study on women involved in the trucking industry. Also in that IRI consulting report, there also talk about the National Labor Relations Board General Counsel Abruzzo, and she cites that there are several key factors that are facing the transportation industry right now, specifically when it comes to labor. Companies are really focusing in on unionization, disruptions that can occur during contract negotiations and leadership changes in companies, and the utilization of independent contractor models in the industry as well, something that's been a topic of hot debate recently 
with the Supreme Court inaction decision on the AB5 legislation out in California. So those are some things that are cited by the National Labor Relations Board as being top priorities for companies in the industry. And overall, what's keeping up the industry up at night? Recruiting and retention, something that we talk about a ton here on Freight Waves and Freight Waves Now. How do we get more people into the industry? How do we get more women into the industry? And then once they're there, how do we keep them there? Also top of mind is employee connection, which in that feedback loop feeds back into the recruiting and retention aspect, right? If you're a company and you're attracting more talent to the workforce, you want to make sure that you're connecting with them and keeping them on an even level to really understand where your employees are sitting at and how you can make things better for them. And the last thing keeping up the industry at night is planning for crisis and catastrophic events, which if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that everybody in supply chain needs to have a contention plan in place for the millions of things that could go wrong. So those are some of those things that the IRI consultants uh, released in their first report, and they're looking to do this annually as well. This report encapsulated data captured from uh, January of 2021 to the end of 2021, put it all together in a nice little package, and we will link that as well on our show notes for you guys today. Last thing before we get to Steph, the Women in Trucking Association continuing to do amazing things, running a special sale on their mascot. This is the Women in Trucking, Claire the Trucking Doll right there. You can see her getting ready to check her tires. And she's awesome. She's the mascot for Women in Trucking on sale right now for $10. And you can go to womenintrucking.org and you can order one of those dolls. Maybe gift your little niece, gift your daughter those dolls because you know what? Everybody likes to play with dolls, but what about one who is doing awesome things for the industry? And all of the money raised for women women in trucking goes to their foundation to educate female drivers and then support women in trucking in all of its initiatives. So go check that out. You can order it online. They also do bulk orders as well if you're looking at dolls maybe for a classroom or anything like that. So go check them out as well. I think it's cute. I would put it on my shelf. Love to see that. So let's get into our guest of the day. Today's title, Looking at Labor, which we just did, Making Some Big Changes in Your Career Journey. So we're going to welcome Steph Stagger with us today. And Steph, thank you for joining us on the show. It's great to have you on, and we're excited to talk to you a little bit about kind of your aspect in the industry and your journey. Excellent. Thank you for having me. So you are the chief... you from my hotel room, so hopefully you don't get too much echo. You sound great. It's fine. You're the chief customer officer at 3GTMS, and you guys live in the freight tech space. You guys are a TMS provider. So kind of talk to me a little bit about where 3GTMS is as a whole as a company and then what your role is there. Yeah, absolutely. So 3GTMS has been around for about eight, nine years now, but it's really the third generation for some of the founding group around TMS. As the industry continued to morph, as things change, as we learn more, just like in any other technology, you're constantly evolving. And we're evolving within 3G every day. Every day we're looking and saying, how can we drive greater efficiency? How can we provide more flexibility in terms of what we're doing? Because the one thing that's been constant, you already said it in, in, in the lead up in your news segment, the amount of change, the amount of uncertainty is incredible. And that's going to continue. We don't see it changing. So we need to make sure that It's not like the days where you would roll out something and say, this is going to stay static for 10 years and we're good. Things have to be flexible. Things have to continue to evolve. And we need to make sure that the tooling that we've put out as 3GTMS fits that mold and helps all of our customers be able to react to changes on the fly, be able to uh, anticipate or 
put themselves in a position to succeed regardless of what kind of impact uh, a world economy event, economic event, or a political event, or a labor event, or a capacity event, no matter what it is, we need to make sure that our customers are in a position to succeed. And that's what we spend our days focusing on. A very common theme in the industry throughout the last two years is kind of planning for the unplannable, right? It's these events that you never expect to happen, but when they do happen, you want to have mm-hmm. at least some kind of contingency in place for when it does happen. And investing decently in your freight tech offerings can really provide not necessarily just options for your customers, but also a safety net for your customers when you're looking at shippers or carriers. And that is really advantageous if you're an intermediary there providing those types of safety networks. Where does 3GTMS kind of fall in that fallback? What type of opportunities do you guys exactly. provide for everybody who's using your platform? Yeah, it's, it's exactly what I was just covering and your, your question is perfect. It's, it's that unplannable event and it's really difficult to to architect and build things that are easy to use, can grow with you, can scale and not cost a billion dollars and give you the level of flexibility that today's environments require, right? Because if you need to plan for everything, you can plan for nothing, right? Because it's so Mm -hmm. much with the level of change. Um, So where we've fallen in is um, how do you do it in a way that is feasible still intuitive to do. It gives you the power that you need to be flexible. That's what we've done. And we've put the power in in our clients' hands often um, within the shipper, within the broker, within the 3PLs that we service. They can do a lot of activities on their own. They can make changes to their flows. They can adjust or add in new dimensions um, to their rule set or within the algorithms that they run. Those are critical uh, enabling elements and giving them access to data is critical so that I can replan, reforecast, take a look at how I'm going to adjust. Those are all things that 3J does for our customers today. And it's the, the time that we spend on the back end in terms of how we architect or how we think of our product of how do we do this economically, but not lock people into this is the way it has to be done repetitively because the world doesn't operate that way. This is a perfect conversation to continue from the day earlier on Freight Waves. Now we were talking about how when it comes to picking a freight tech solution, you can't really provide a one-size-fits-all solution, right? Because every single company is so different and every single business transaction that you're doing with your clients is so unique in the way that you're doing that. And it's kind of like the Goldilocks effect, right? You try on this one and it's got a little bit too much. You try on this one and it doesn't have as much as you need. So having that ability to change your workflow as you're using the system and becoming intuitive with it is very, very crucial. What else are customers and clients currently demanding more of out of a TMS system? And then what are they demanding less of? Like what what type of features are they saying, this is great, let's keep that, but maybe we don't need this as much? Flexibility and integrations to external solutions are the the number one, number two items. Um, If you, which you do follow the space, obviously, there's a lot of ancillary you know, we went from a place where there was a lot of point best of breed solutions 25, 30 years ago to, hey, let's consolidate and have different types of operating systems. TMS brings a bunch of stuff together. Um, great global trade management solutions bring a bunch of stuff together. And now what you're seeing is there was a lot of consolidation that gives you some good uniformity and some good platform scale, but not necessarily the level of flexibility that you need in some key areas. So you're seeing the green screens, the Parade AIs, the others that are joining force around real needs in the market that are point solutions. So integration to third parties uh, that are best of breed point solutions is a big ask. It's critical. It's something 
that we're working to deliver every day to our customers because not all of them need the same integration point, but when they need it, it's for a really, really good reason and a strong reason. So we want to make that very simple and easy. We're seeing that. The flexibility is for all the stuff we just talked about. Where are they going? How are they doing it? What can't they predict? Those things are critical. Um, Our sweet spot, what we always say in terms of our ideal customer is a customer that is growing. Any customer that is growing is in a sweet spot for us because they're the ones that we know are going to drive for change. Now, we might scoff at it and say, well, of course, companies, any, any customers are growth customers, right? No customer that you're going to go to say, well, I have aspirations of staying $100,000 a year, and that's all I'm ever going to do. But their actions and behaviors might not actually indicate that they're growth-oriented, right? So there is a difference um, in looking at that. And if you're growth-oriented, you're also change-ready, because with growth comes change. With economic instability, with other things going on comes change. Those things correlate highly, and we think that's a really um, strong avenue for us, and it's an area of ask of our clients. Give us that flexibility. Give us that opportunity because we're growing. We're changing. We need to be able to move quickly. You mentioned the ability to move quickly and to adapt. And I think that's something that really sets apart the companies who are not just in a growth mindset, but actively pursuing growth, especially capitalizing on opportunities like times of economic uncertainty, where you have that ability Mm -hmm. to maybe capture more market share or bring more people into your business or scale your business by adding your clients. And with that, Mm -hmm. sometimes companies that are in that mindset might say, you know what, we might be taking a risk implementing this new technology or taking a risk switching it up from one system to another. What type of risks do you think when it comes to changing your tech solutions are worth it versus not? Or is that also just a one-size-fits-all, not a one-size-fits-all approach? I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all that's part of it, but that doesn't mean that um, we can't make choices today. So anything, any technology platform that in today's environments is locking you in to how to do something or constraining um, to degrees that don't make sense, that's just a bad, a bad spot to be in, and the cost of changing is going to be far less than the cost of staying stuck in that model. Mm-hmm. So that could be legacy systems, it could be homegrown systems, it could be something you bought before that was a little bit too constrained. If it's too expensive to adjust and move, if it's too expensive um, to uh, capture a new market opportunity that sales is coming up with and saying, hey, we need to move in this direction those are non-starters as a platform. You can't have that. You've got to have that flexibility and the cost to move is going to be far cheaper than what you've left on the table by not moving. Does that make sense? 100%. Last technology-focused question before we get into a little bit about your story and your journey as a Mm -hmm. C-suite executive. I want to ask about the current climate of the freight tech kind of explosion that we've seen in the last two years. And it's, it's been incredible to watch, number one. But we know that with a changing marketplace, a slowing down economy, that not every single one of these companies who's bringing a solution to market is going to survive the eventual consolidation that's coming. What do you think are going to be the big differences that set apart those companies who do survive the freight tech down downslide, I would almost call it, and who mm-hmm. make their solutions long lasting and not just a quick fix? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a um, there's a couple of different items. When you're talking about the best of breed point solutions, because it's a true, a true challenge, a true need that the market has, um, and you think about that from pricing or from capacity, 
management, those are elements that are going to survive, but they're likely going to get consolidated. Um, and so, again, by the nature of what's going to happen in the economy, what's going to happen in the market. Some of the platforms that are a little bit broader, it's a question of who's the consolidator, who's the consolidatee in the mix. The ones that I think are more challenging in terms of a survival are the ones that are not offering that flexibility. They're not offering the strength of solution on a, on a high value return. If it's too much of the me too's, I look at as a buyer, I would be extremely confused in, in the level of the freight tech market today because <laughs> everyone does everything and they do it awesomely. And the needs that the market has um, look all the same, right? Well, that's not true. But some needs are more important than others. Some value is is higher than others. And some of the stuff that's nice to have is going to, in consolidation, gets thrown away, right? So um, I think there's going to be consolidation. I think the ones um, that have the back-end platforms that are flexible, or if they're a point solution um, and not a platform play in and of themselves, they're offering a significant value touch point. Those folks will get picked up or integrated um, highly with a lot of different platforms in order to, to maintain. I think it's going to be very similar to kind of what we saw in the fintech markets back in the later half of the 20 teens. Craig Fuller likes to talk about mm -hmm. that a lot. So let's kind of move on to your yep. story a little bit as a C-suite executive. Before you became chief customer officer at 3GTMS, you served in several other C-suite roles. And can you talk mm -hmm. to me a little bit about kind of your journey into the C-suite and what each different role kind mm -hmm. of gave you? Yeah, you know what? It's it's been a, for me personally, it's been a fun ride for quite a, a few decades now. Um, but in the in the sweet C suite environment, it's been for about the last 18, 20 years or so. Um, and and roles have kind of morphed. So in many cases, I've been doing the same job, but under a new construct of title. Um, and I think it's interesting because it tells you a little bit of what's being highlighted or valued in some of what that role is covering. Um, so, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have chief customer officer, customer success programs the way we do today. Um, was it part of my job back then in those original C-suite roles to ensure a positive customer experience, to make sure that we were aligning as an organization and delivering soup to nuts? something that that customer was going to value and continue to expand with us and continue to promote um, the positive effects of what we did for them. It was, but it wasn't what the context of the definition of the role was back then in terms of what was viewed as critical. And I think that's been interesting um, over time in my own career to see where focus has been placed. I'm thrilled with the level of focus on customer centricity, customer success aspects. It's a it's it's super critical to an organization. I think it's something that we should tie a, a significant portion of our pocketbooks to as as executive leaders um, on ensuring that we have that positive customer success experience. It starts with the sales process. It goes all the way through. So in my roles I've had um, uh, SVP of global sales and operations uh, again encompassing kind of the same groups. I've had the chief commercial officer, chief revenue officer, chief customer officer. Some of those have nuances within them. Um, in my career, my past, um, I've generally always been involved in guiding around the services delivery, the account management aspects of it, customer support, 
product management development aspects and sales uh, interfaces throughout. It's important that things tie together. So I work very closely today within 3GTMS with my colleagues. I find us uh, really unique in the industry from a female perspective because we now have three women uh, in the suite, C-suite in a, in a supply chain tech company. That's um, not very typical and it's, it's fun. It's nice. Um, that is not typical of my career. I've typically been the only female uh, at the table and it was fine. But it's, it's nice to have the diverse representation and, and, and inputs coming in from, um, from my colleagues as well, right, um, that, that mix in. So um, long-winded way to say it's, it's, it's been a broad expanse in terms of titles and, and functions, um, but it's an area that I enjoy, uh, which is everything related to touching a customer from its initial engagement with us as a prospect through its life cycle. I absolutely love knowing that 3GTMS has three women on their C-suite yeah. because it's, it's something that's really unheard of in this industry. And something that we talk Huge. about all the time is that yeah. the number of women employed in transportation significantly drops off once you hit that senior management to C-suite level. So my last question right. for you, Steph, is when women hit that C-suite, oftentimes they feel like that's as high as I can go. Like I cannot top the mm-hmm. C-suite and now you have to mm-hmm. move laterally. But is that mm-hmm. always the case? Can you is there, is there something else to strive for once you hit that C-suite role? Is that including more diversity, bringing more diversity into the company, or maybe just moving out like and branching that. out into other pieces of the industry? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that anytime we're staying stagnant, it's bad, right? So to say that we've stepped into a role and that's the only thing is, frankly, it's a non-starter. Um, there's tons of work that we're doing, for example, in just in... Um, how you deal with the changes and the changing dynamics of our, our households and our lives and how much business and personal lives really intertwine on a day-in, day-out basis these days by the nature of global business, right? And that is, anybody who's been in logistics and supply chain knows it's not a nine-to-five job, right? Um, the world moves, it continues. And so those things intertwine. So focusing on those avenues, exploring new paths of mentorship, um, advice, um, challenging on expanding diversity, not for the sake of diversity, but for the value that it brings to the table. Um, I don't think that there's an end to that. There's groups that I'm involved in now, Chief and others, that um, spend a lot of time talking about that, of how do we expand, how do we continue to evolve as individuals, and then also recognize that you know the, the cap doesn't have to be that it's the C-suite, and you say, okay, well, I'm at the C-suite, so my next role is still in the C-suite, but it's a CEO or it's a chairman or stuff. It may not be a desire. It may be something else. That doesn't mean we've stopped in our career. We're just going to influence differently. Um, and we influence that throughout the company. And I think mentoring is a huge part of that. Um, and I think focusing on programs that are near and dear that make the company more valuable um, is also a big part of that. And more valuable means that that company has lots of options for its growth, lots of options for its personnel, lots of options for its customers. I think that a lot of that too is the visibility of knowing that those opportunities exist, right? Which sometimes it you don't advance simply just because you don't know that those options are there. And that's why we thank you and folks like you so much for coming on our platform Great Corner Gals to make that a little bit more known. If people want to reach out to you, maybe learn a little bit more about 3GTMS, maybe kind of get some of your advice when it comes to mentorship, guideship, or any really any of your female colleagues as well, can they go ahead and do that? And where can they go to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Our website has our contact details. 
Um, all of us are really simple on our email address, first initial, first name, last name at 3GTMS. Feel free to reach out. Always happy to engage with the community. We're all on LinkedIn as well. Um, we try to publish out. And I would say even in the, in the younger set or folks that are earlier in their career, you have huge impact. It doesn't matter. There's a, a gal we were just celebrating on our team uh, a few minutes ago. We're at an offsite um, who had some great ideas. She's young in her career, brought it in. She's getting a ton of visibility uh, from us for it and looking at ideas. So your level in the organization titularly doesn't dictate your level of influence or how you can engage or learn from the company. And that's an important piece of it. So sorry, not the direct question you asked me, but I wanted to throw that in because it's critical. That was perfect. And the perfect way to end this. Thank you so much for joining us, Steph. We will talk to you again soon. And we wish you guys the best at 3GTMS. I appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. Have a great day. All right. That does it for us here today on Great Quarter Gals. But we will be back next week, Tuesday, right here at three o'clock. And Grace Sharkey will be joining us as well. You can catch me tomorrow morning live on FreightWaves Now starting at 9 a.m. Give me a follow on LinkedIn, on Twitter as well. I'm at KayleeNixWX. And you know what? Go give Grace Sharkey a follow. Also, if you haven't done that yet, subscribe to her newsletter at Point of Sale. You can do that at FreightWaves.com forward slash newsletters. And then we will catch you guys next week for our next episode of Great Quarter Gals. And have a very good Tuesday. One, two, three.